just in a fellowship mood today so hey y'all who are watching and who are already sitting down I assume maybe you're maybe you are in the kitchen getting your breakfast and you can just hear me but hello and good morning we are glad that you are here and we are glad that uh, that if you are live and in person you have chosen to be in the Lord's house amen so if you have not yet brought your items for the month of October, the item is toiletries of any sort. I have mine sitting on the table and I forgot to bring them. And I have and I have shoe boxes in my trunk, but we never drive my car. So, uh, so if you have any of those things, please do bring them because the the gathering week, the the week that we have to have the shoe boxes in is the third week of November, so we only have just about a month left to gather all the things, put the boxes together, so we uh, we will want you to bring in all your items, and if you're bringing something for the month of November, it is box or socks, so uh, if you want to get those in early. Next week is the last Sunday of the month, but if you want to bring some socks and a pack of socks or something in, then that would be very helpful to do that, so Normally, the socks is the one of the least things that we have because we don't have as much time to, to get those things in. Did you? Oh, okay. Sorry. I was like, did I forget something? Uh, um, also, we will have a, a time. We haven't yet discussed what would be a good time to get our boxes put together, but we'll we'll talk about that and see. If, if y'all have a suggestion for a good time, The I believe that the, the week is the 15th through the 22nd is the the gathering time period so if you if you know of uh and those are probably wackadoodle dates but it's something around there um but if you know of a good time that would you could get here and and participate together then just let us know um otherwise we'll come up with a time and just announce it so anyway keep those things in mind also the first saturday at six o'clock it is the november 6th at six o'clock we are having Bonnie English here at church 
he and his wife are coming to uh, minister to us singing and we are going to have a cookout afterward shane and some people have volunteered to cook out yes so we're excited we're going to have a couple of fire pits and we are going to roast marshmallows and possibly if we have the stuff to make s'mores which is more exciting to me than the uh, burgers but anyway um we will we're planning to do that so if you if you're not planning to come change your plans and if you are planning to come invite some people to come with you because again we would like to have a lot of fellowship a lot of time together six o'clock for the singing and then afterward stay for our cookout yes there are posters available uh, if you would like to put some if you'd like to take a poster with you if you know of a good place to put it um whether in a in a public um like a on the bulletin board or stick one out in your yard whatever you'd like to do we would like that to be advertised it's already on facebook if y'all were not following us on facebook if you have facebook then please follow us uh, but that is that's being advertised right now so keep those things in mind also golly there's a lot going on it just keeps on and on because this the end of the year lots lots and lots of stuff the 21st is thanks meal everyone who is watching everyone who was here today you are invited this is your personal invitation to thanks meal november 21st lots of great things going on lots and lots of food will be had that day so we want to get together and and fellowship you know just be thankful for and invite anyone that you're thankful for or if you're not thankful for anyone invite someone you know um <laughs> so please do make sure that you are here for that also our church christmas party one more thing december 15th it's a wednesday night 6 30 bring party food be here we always have lots of fun so we have games and sing carols and eat food and it's just a great time so <laughs> all those different things i hope you have them in your calendar if you don't remember the dates go back on our website and uh, replay this because they'll be there and uh, any other announcements we will certainly let you know but you'll be getting calls for for these different things um on friday night we were <laughs> We were watching the uh, the Dove Awards. Y'all know what the Dove Awards are. It's like the the Christian music. It's like the Grammys for the for Christian music. And we were watching the Dove Awards, and we were I was sitting, you know, preparing for today, and uh, and Shane looked over at me, and he said, "If somebody had told me, however long ago, thirteen years ago, if someone had told me." years ago that on a Friday night I would be <laughs> sitting on the couch watching the Dove Awards and getting into it and I said and I looked over I said with a wife but that put a period right there with a wife uh, preparing a message to preach on Sunday he said yeah I, that's amazing the thing is you never know you never know what the Lord is doing. Even when I don't see it, he's working. And I won't tell you how old Shane was when he came to the Lord. That's between him and the Lord, or if he wants to tell you. But but it wasn't that he it wasn't that he 
grew up in the church and he was uh, you know able to to hear all the stories and and have from an early age a relationship with the lord but somebody prayed for him and somebody touched heaven years and years and years and years and even if it, and i don't know even if it was my mom praying for whoever i was going to marry but somebody touched heaven for him so no matter how long you've been praying if the lord hasn't said no it's not done yet so keep praying because he's he's got things going on that we don't see that we don't and and you may not even be here to see it because the people who prayed for him may not have may not have ever seen him be saved and be in church but the lord's working we we don't know we don't see but he's working amen let's stand and go to the lord in prayer Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the chance to come into your presence. God, to bring our praise, to bring our worship and our honor to you. And I thank you and I praise you that you are working when we don't see. God, that you hear our prayers, that you receive them, that you bottle them up and you answer them in your own good time. God, I thank you and I praise you that you will never leave us, that you'll never forsake us. And God, there there is nothing that you don't hear. God, that the things that matter to us matter to you. And, and even if it's not working the way we want it to, or God, it's not working in the time frame we want it to, we understand that you're still, that you are still, that you are still working things out. Father, I thank you that you have a purpose and a plan for each and every life. God, I thank you that each prayer that is going up to you for someone on someone's behalf today, that you're listening to it and that you're going to answer it. God, I thank you and I praise you that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And Lord, wherever we're going right now, we ask you to lead and guide our way. I ask you to have your will in the service. There is no one who is here by accident. There is no one who is watching by accident. But God, there is each and every need that you can meet today. God, if we will just surrender them to you, I pray that you would save, that you would change, that you would deliver and heal according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We thank you. We praise you. We honor you. In Jesus' precious holy name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
The night won't 
Shout Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains and Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. And I speak Jesus for my family. I speak the holy name of Jesus. Your name is power. Your name is healing, your name is love. Break every stronghold, shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. 
speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Because I know there is peace within his presence. I speak Jesus. Just say that name today. Jesus, we thank you. Jesus, we praise you. We lift you up. Give him praise today. Amen. Welcome to the Cornelius Church of God. Jennifer, you seem to hit the nail on the head just about every week. Picking the right music is the right way to go, and I, I'm glad you hit it right on the nail just about every week. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for being at home and, and sitting in and listening to us this morning. Uh, when you go get that second cup, just pray for us that God will bless us this morning in his house. It's time to receive our tithe and offering if our usher will come at this time. Brother Jordan, will you say the blessing this morning? Good to be here with all of you this morning. It is now time to receive prayer requests this morning. Sister Hager.
can pray for him, pray for Sister Hager's family. Brother Mike. Continue prayer for Brother Mike's family. Gretchen. Definitely pray for Pop Pop's back. Sister Sugar. Pray for Sister Shuggy's sister. Surgery in the morning. We will. Anyone else? We'll pray for Ken and Diane. Um, they're not here, but continue prayer for Diane and Sister Keller. spoken request raise your hand stand with me as we go to the Lord in prayer
Thank you. Now it's time to fellowship.
welcome. If you're watching, welcome. Hello. If you're watching live or if you are watching later, you know, catching us on a Tuesday. Hey. So we are we are glad that you are here. S and uh, once again, keep in mind all the different reminders. I just I just reminded someone about our singing, and, and uh, that person said to me, I will try my best. And I said, you know what? If that's the case, you're trying your best, you're going to be here because your best is good. So, uh, <laughs> so make sure that you are here for all the different things going on. We are, we got, uh, and, and I know, I understand that from now until the end of the year is crazy busy, but, but don't forget the Lord. <laughs> so, amen. So, last week, do not murder. We, <laughs> yes, we learned last week that this has a deeper meaning. First, murder is the destruction of the image of God. Murder, intentional murder, is the destruction of the image of God. Murderous action begins with murderous feelings. Yes, and those feelings start out small. They start out as anger within our hearts, within our souls and minds, and they grow into scorn and they grow into harsh words and they get us to the point that we're, we could do things that we'd never believe that we would be able to do uh, after after service on Sunday. Because in our class we had talked about these things before um, we did a, a biblical survey for it was a while. <laughs> but we did a, a biblical survey and Shane said, I was waiting on you to say the word idiot. And said, what? I said, you said idiot last time because Raka and it in empty headed. And uh, he said, I was waiting on you to say that word. And I said, but do you understand that it's the intention of it, not just the word itself, but the intention of the word that that's the issue because no one knows what's going on inside our hearts. I can... I can look to the outside. I can look to everybody else like I got it going on. I can look like I love the Lord with all my heart, and you can look at me and judge me on the surface to say, oh, yeah, she's got it together. But you have no idea what's going on inside my heart. So that's where the issue begins. It's within the heart. And murderous words can cause great harm. We, again, the, the Lord, and, and even this week, the Lord's dealing with me about uh, a series of, you know, uh, using our words correctly. And I don't know when that's going to take place, but it'll be sometime. But uh, using our words, because harsh words, we don't know the damage of them. Because you can say something to somebody, and again, you don't, you don't see how it's affecting them. It's on the inside that these things are really happening. So be careful. Today we are instructed in the area of faithfulness. We will begin with the most obvious intention of the word here and understand Jesus' interpretation of it. And then we'll take another look at the explanation of this word. So we are in Exodus chapter 20. That's where we will begin. Exodus chapter 20, verse 14. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Amen. Amen. <laughs> We won't ask anybody to say, oh, me, because that'd be telling. Um, but a man do not commit adultery. So in the most obvious historical sense, 
This word was intended for those who are married. Yes. When a man and a woman who were each married, so man married to a woman, woman married to a man, two sets of couples here, had relations with one another, that was considered adultery. So if this group was married and this group was married and then they they had relations with one another, that was the prohibition, adultery. According to the law, both of the offenders were to be brought before the authority and killed. This sin was punished by stoning in the beginning and then later on by strangulation because it was assumed that stoning uh, brought too much attention to the sin that they were committing so they didn't want to have a, a big display so they were strangled instead. <laughs> I don't know who got to do this. Sorry, that's not in my notes. I don't know who got to do the strangling. I know who I'd, who I'd like it to be if that ever happened. But anyway, um, <laughs> sorry. Lord, help us. Lord, help us today. Uh, keep me in line, Lord. Amen. Uh, so... <laughs> Sorry. But this was also just like murder. We talked about last week that that if someone was convicted of murder, they had to have been witnessed by at least two people that one of those people had to say to someone, hey, you're about to commit murder. And the, the guilty party had to say, yes, I realize that, and I know the consequences thereof, but I'm going to continue to do it. Same thing here, for a person to be convicted of adultery, two witnesses at least had to see them. One of those witnesses had to say, hey, you're committing adultery. Both parties had to say, yes, we understand, but we're going to keep doing that. And then they would be considered guilty and would be able to be stoned. So it was difficult to convict anyone we think about that situation that the the woman was brought before jesus this woman was caught in the act of adultery that's that's a difficult thing to discover so difficult for anyone else to notice so it was a part of self-regulation traditionally this mandate was especially geared toward women since men were allowed to marry more than one woman. So the word used here, the, the Hebrew word, even implies an adulterous woman. So this mandate, again, geared toward a woman because men, for whatever reason, they wanted to have more than one wife. It, it was for, for the purpose of procreation. Of course, they wanted to have as many sons as possible and that, you know, just to, to continue their family name. But, again, bless their hearts. I, I, know, I know the struggle that, that Shane must have with just the one. So, I don't <laughs> so having more than one, I don't, anyway. Of course, Jesus took this a step further, and we're going to take a look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. Now, this is just a few verses down from where we were last week, and he is he's preaching the Sermon on the Mount, so remembering again that there are thousands of people hearing him speak, at least 5,000 men, not including women and children. There are thousands and thousands of people who are near him on the mountain and down in the valley hearing him speak, hearing him expound upon the, the ten words that they had known their entire lives. 
Jesus was mainly speaking to those of, a, of the Jewish background. He did not often preach, and he had a few miracles. He had a few times of preaching and, and doing some different ministry in other areas. But for the most part, he was preaching to the lost sheep of Israel. So, Jesus begins to reteach this idea. And he says in verses 27 and 28, You have heard that it was said of them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. So Jesus says, you've always heard it this way, don't commit adultery. However, anyone who looks at a woman to see with the physical eye or to turn the thoughts and direct the mind toward a thing, so to look at, meaning to, to look at physically, in a, in a literal sense, to look at, or to mentally create a fantasy in your mind. He says, if, if anyone looks at her with lust, and this word lust means desire, long for, covet, or seek things forbidden. He has already committed adultery in his heart. So two very special things have occurred here with Jesus' words. First, Jesus takes the responsibility off the female temptress. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, he was, Jesus had this way of kind of flipping the norm. This idea of a female temptress had been the stereotype since Adam blamed Eve. It's that woman you gave me. She's the one who calls me to sin. So this stereotype became propagated from the very beginning that the woman was the issue. Oh, if she didn't look so good, her and her, her long robe and her veil, that ankle. Um, but Jesus here is saying the, the idea is not that the woman is tempting you to do anything, but if you look at her, you have to have personal responsibility. The second thing that Jesus did is bring this commandment from a physical act to an issue of the heart. The idea that many people had in Jesus' day and still have now is that as long as one avoids any physical follow-through, there is no sin. Well, I didn't really do it. With, and that's with anything. I didn't really do it, so it's not that bad. I didn't really kill anybody, so it's not that bad. I didn't really commit adultery, so it's not that bad. Yet Jesus causes them to see that the eye is what has the imagination begin to wander, which causes the heart to stray from the faithfulness of the relationship. Because emotional affairs can be just as harmful as physical ones. Because once the heart is gone, once the heart leaves, once the emotion is out of it, once the faithfulness within is gone, then it's very easy for the physical to follow. So Jesus is saying, you got to stop it at the heart level. Please don't make the mistake of thinking, if you're watching, if you're here, don't make the mistake of thinking, 
that just because you've lusted in your mind, you might as well follow through. That is not true. <laughs> no, that's not true. Oh, well, you know. Jesus said, I've already committed the adultery in my mind. Might as well. Don't please don't, okay? I'm sure that none of y'all here are thinking that. If you're watching and thinking that, that's wrong. That's not what I'm saying. Rewind the tape. Listen again. The fact that the thought has entered is an indication that we need the help from the Lord to sanctify our minds because the Lord understands that once it starts, then you're going to have to fight that battle. You're going to have to fight that battle to keep it from going too far. He says, cut it off at the source. Notice what he says in verses 29 and 30. If thy right hand offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. So here's Jesus' solution. If your eye is the issue, pluck it out. This was an extreme measure that some people actually had taken literally. This was more likely hyperbole for, for a point. Jesus was saying, you know, if your eye is the issue, here you go. That's a solution. <laughs> Notice that he says the eye first. If you have begun to have a wandering eye, Get that in check by whatever means necessary. Because the sight is where the issue begins. We see something. Seeing it is, seeing it is not an issue if it's a passing glance, you know, and people say, oh, I have eyes. Well, but be careful, little eyes, what you see, because if your eyes are lingering or if you're seeking out those types of things to see, then that's already become a heart issue. Yeah, beautiful people, great-looking people. I, you know, you see them. Th you know, say, thank you, Jesus, for creating that person to look so nice. And then move on. Don't don't keep, you know, go around the block, like, like Pastor would say. You know, you see them jogging. Don't drive around the block a couple times to find them again. <laughs> again, the issue is what we do with the information. Are we lingering there? Are we searching it out to find something that will satisfy my eye and then go into my heart to satisfy the unfaithfulness that's begun to take root there? Jesus says, if your hand is the issue, cut it off. If viewing with lust has turned into action, there's danger ahead. The physical act has further reaching consequences, but both are destructive. Jesus is saying, find a way to cut it off, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. I, I know of a, a lady who said that every time her, every time a, a nice-looking woman walks by, her husband will look the other way. And some men, oh, that's just silly. If that's what it takes to keep lust out of your heart, you do what it takes. Because it's more important 
that we would go to heaven, given up some stuff, then be cast into hell. And this is the same word that Jesus uses in the verses previous, Gehenna, talking about that valley of Hinnom, that place of of destruction, that place where the corpses were thrown and where the dung was thrown. And it's better for you to avoid those things than for you to to seek pleasure now and be thrown into hell later. In a broader sense, keeping our eyes and hands free from sin in a marriage takes discipline. As I was studying for this and just thinking, oh Lord, are you yeah? So anything from here on you blame the Lord. Pornography is detrimental to relationships. There are statistics, and I won't even, I mean, it's mind-boggling, the statistics. And not just within the world, but even within the church, people who say that it's okay. If it just hits you and you were like, you all of a sudden are like, oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about, then maybe I'm talking to you. Not anyone here, maybe you're watching, I don't know. In the Greek, the word for fornication is porneia, the word from which pornography is derived. The Lord in his wisdom and foreknowledge put more than 20 warnings in the New Testament against this. More than 20 times he says to, to flee from fornication. And again, fornication, the, the root of that is, is porneia. And also fornication taken to mean sexual sin of any type, especially outside of marriage. The images that we allow to enter our eyes affect our hearts and our actions. It's shown, studies have shown that the pleasure centers that are triggered in the brain while viewing pornography are the same as those with any hard drugs or sugar or caffeine, anything that you can become addicted to, those same pleasure receptors are triggered and it becomes addictive. And even for those people who are addicted to it, who say, I don't don't even really care about watching it right this second, but my mind is telling me I have to. It's something that you just get hooked on. So that's something that is detrimental. Another thing that is detrimental that we don't even really think about is comparison. See, we think of pornography as a man issue. It's not. Women have issues with it too, but then comparison is often a a woman issue. It's detrimental to our relationships because when my eyes see only the shiny outside version of what other people are showing, when I only see what people post online, their their beautiful pictures of, of the two of them, you know, they're, the husband and wife standing together and everything looks picture perfect. And they have just bought a new house or they've just gotten a new car. All their children are dressed the same and they look fabulous or they've just gone on a, a fancy vacation or whatever it is. And I look at that and I think, and I think, oh, that's not the way it is with me. That's not the way it is at my house. Because we got struggles. 
But nobody's going to post their, well, some people do, bless them. Nobody's going to post pictures of their struggles online. Take that back. Some people, again, are doing that for attention. Lord, help them. But the thing is, when we see these when we see these images, or when we're watching, uh, I've heard uh, rom-coms, you know, romantic comedies, I've heard that referred to as female porn, because you see this idea of this man that is going to rescue you, and he's going to just be that knight in shining armor, and he's going to fight through hailstorms to get to you. It doesn't show him leaving his clothes hanging on the towel rack even though you've told him that's not where your clothes are supposed to be hung it's going to be too heavy and the towel rack's going to fall I don't that may again uh, that's to whomever I don't know y'all whatever (laughs) but the thing is it's not showing that it's not showing the reality of the aggravations that every single relationship is inevitably going to have So when we compare and we say, oh, well, they've got it made, and that must mean that there's something wrong with our relationship, then in my heart, what I've seen has gotten to my heart, and I start to become dissatisfied. And we say, oh, I wish that he would do that. Or I wish that she could do such and such. Oh, well, my wife doesn't look like that, or, you know, my husband doesn't have those rippled abs that I'm seeing on this. (laughs) Again, Lord, help me. It's nothing to do with you. Um, (laughs) But we get these fairy tale impressions, and it's a lie. It's a lie. Be careful what you allow into your mind, what you allow to sink in there. We have to to cover it with the truth of God's word. See, because marriages are under attack from the enemy, and I believe this, and I feel so strongly about this. Because the enemy understands that the marriage relationship was the second relationship ever created. Number one relationship ever created was between God and man. So that's our very most important relationship is between us and God. Because God wants to be our number one. He wants to be to us what no one else can be. And that's a thing too. And if you are trying to make the other person fit everything that you need, it's not going to happen. That person is not God. That person cannot be the constant help and strength that I need. That's only the Lord. That person cannot be always there for me and hearing me and understanding everything that I'm saying. Because bless them, I mean, they may try as hard as they can, but they can't always understand. They cannot always measure up to what God is only supposed to be. I cannot make that person my number one. But... If I have that relationship with God correct, because that's the number one, the enemy understands that second only to the relationship between God and mankind was the relationship between the husband and the wife. 
and that may go against the grain for you but if it does and I can show you in scripture that this is true that it was not the relationship between buddies it was not the relationship between parent and child it was the relationship that God created between husband and wife that is the second relationship God made marriage a mysterious union to reflect the oneness that exists within Trinity and that is shown between Christ and the church. And we can't understand it. I have no idea how it is that as soon as you take marriage vows, as soon as you are pronounced husband and wife, that instantly you become one. But the Bible says that it's true. The Bible says that they are no longer two but one and one flesh. And this is a mystery. And the enemy understands that, so he will do everything he can to attack. Because amazing things can be done when there's unity. Amazing things can be done when two people are one. The Bible talks about this, that the cord of three strands is, is not easily broken. The cord of three strands being my husband or my wife myself and God that cord of three strands is not easily broken if we can be unified if we can touch God for whatever it is the Bible says where two or three are gathered together in his name he would be there in the midst of them so two if husband and wife agree and the Bible says as touching one thing if two agree as touching one thing it shall be done can you imagine what we could accomplish if we could get this in our hearts if we could understand the faithfulness if we can understand the power of the unity within marriage this is something i'm passionate about because i see it so much that marriages are under attack and if if the enemy cannot affect the relationship between you and god he'll go for the second relationship he will try to push in and break up what God has put together. He will try to tear it apart because of the potential. Because things are changed when we are unified in purpose and in prayer. And the enemy tries to keep that marital unity from happening or from remaining. And he'll make us fight about stupid stuff. And that... <laughs> And you have to remind yourself, I'm not wrestling against this flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of the air. <laughs> the, do you, look, at, look at your spouse, the devil is a lie. Ain't finna be dealing with this today. <laughs> Next time they're bothering you, just like, the devil's a lie. I'm not fighting about this. But sometimes you do, you have to stop yourself because I. <laughs> Our marriage counselor, and I'm uh, sorry, babe. You should, our marriage counselor said to us because we had to take um, we had to take quizzes and things beforehand, and then he talked to us, and he said, "I've never seen two people who are more different who wanted to marry each other." <laughs> you know, y'all go ahead, whatever. But I've never seen it, and it's true. And we, you know, nine years, and we are very different. Amen. But the Lord, only by the Lord, helps us day by day. And I will not say that, that it is perfect, because I know I'm not. I don't know how Shane feels about himself. But, <laughs> but 
we we are not perfect, but there are times that we are in the middle of fussing, and it's like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not, because I think to myself, you know what? That's the, the, the enemy is just trying to beat us up through each other. And if we can understand that, if we can see that, if we can realize that, because if, if that bitterness grows, if the aggravation grows, then it's going to be so much easier for my eye to wander and then my heart to be unfaithful and then my body to be unfaithful. And that's what he wants. Because the act itself, the act itself, there are some who can move past it and forgive, but if the heart is still out of place, that doesn't recover without help of the Lord. So, do not think that just because this says adultery, you're exempt if you are, if you are for one, never committed adultery, or, or if you are not married. Because the word adultery in the Hebrew, it does refer to breaking the marriage vows, absolutely, but it also means apostatize. A-P-O-S-T-A-T-I-Z-E, for anyone taking notes, apostatize. Which means to forsake or abandon one's faith. Therefore, when Yahweh spoke to all of the people, those millions of people who were hearing this word, not all of them were married. He was telling all of them, of course, for one, if you are married, stay faithful to your marriage vows, but also he was telling every single one of them not to abandon their faith. Consider word three. Word three says, do not take the name of the Lord in vain. We discuss the fact that the covenant relationship with Yahweh was equivalent to marriage with him. Taking someone's name occurs when you marry them. So when we stood before Yahweh, when these people stood before Yahweh, when we come before him, surrendering our hearts to him, we take his name. So we are married to him in a spiritual sense. We have taken a covenant with him. And God is saying, if you've taken my name, do not be unfaithful to the covenant that we have created. This command is yet another reminder that they were to be faithful to God. Soon, the Lord would lead them through lands that would bring fights, battles, struggles. You ever been there? Within marriage? Ever been through those places of fights and struggles, battles, hard times? And God is saying, you're going to face that. And when you do, you need to determine within your heart to be faithful to me. In order to reach the promised land, they had to fight. Therefore, they could not have any question about their loyalty to the relationship that they had with God. If I'm, if I'm going through battles and I'm not sure that I want to be on the Lord's side, I might just turn around and say, peace out, this is, this is not for me. And so often in today's society, we see that, that people are not mentally prepared to fight it out, to stick together and say, you know what, 
even though we are having struggles, we are going to get through this eventually. Now, one of us may perish in the process, but we're getting through it. Once they had entered into the promised land, the Lord knew that there would be idols. Other gods who looked different, whose practices and promises seemed more attractive than the strict commands of Yahweh, they had to be settled within their own hearts and minds that He was their one and only. Because there will come a time, and if and you can say amen or oh me or not say a word, but there will come a time, and if it hasn't happened yet, there will come a time that there's someone who could be potential. You're married, you're feeling good about the person that you're with, but then there's somebody who comes along like, oh, makes you wonder, what if I'd waited around for that person? I'm not saying that you act on it. I'm not saying that you go any further than wondering. But the thing is, the Lord knew that you'd see. The Lord knew that they would see other gods and think, what would happen if I worshipped that other god? Would that be any better for me? Whether they did it or not, the, the thought would cross their mind and he would know, oh, if they're not faithful to me, if they're not knowing within their heart that I'm their one and only, then instead of staying faithful, instead of within their hearts saying, God, you are it for me, they're going to go over here and start worshiping other gods. Time after time throughout the Old Testament, especially in the prophetic writings, Israel is said to have been committing adulteries. The entire book of Hosea is all about that. God commanded Hosea, the prophet, to, to marry a woman who was an adulteress. And he said, this is the representation of the relationship that I have with Israel. I love her, and I've cared for her, and I've looked after her. But she keeps leaving me over and over and over again. The truth of this phrase, committing adulteries, is that they had abandoned their faith in Yahweh. Their eyes had led their hearts astray. They began looking at other gods. They began looking at other nations and saying, oh, they have it better than we do. The grass is greener over there. Grass is greener where you water it. Got to look after. If your grass is brown, you hadn't looked after it like you ought to. Sorry. Just, anyway, Lord help us all. So both practical and spiritual instruction. And please understand, before we move on, please understand. Again, I, you don't see our struggles. You don't see the issues that we have, the fights. I'm not a fighter. I'm not. You, you, you readily admit that I'm correct most of the time. So thank you, baby. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, but you don't, you don't see, and I don't see the issues that you have. Okay, I'm not trying to belittle any issues that you're having. I'm sorry. If, if, if it ever comes across that way, that's not what I'm trying to do. Because I know, again, the enemy will fight. And the enemy will beat you up. And he'll get into your heart and he'll get into your mind if you let him. I'm not trying to belittle that by saying, because you may say, I've tried to water. And the other person is just mowing that grass right down. Okay? Please understand that I'm at that point just, just being funny because that's something we need to pray about. 
So as we study this word, we begin to see that this is more than surface-level avoidance of a physical act. Number one, adultery begins in the heart. And that is adultery with our, our spouse or adultery against God. Long before a person decides to physically break their marriage covenant, a seed of desire was planted within their hearts. Therefore, we must guard our heart so that we don't have to pluck out our eye or cut off our hand. We don't have to go that far. When those feelings of discontentment or resentment or curiousness arise, it is time to take those to the Lord. The Lord can, can handle that. If you say, if you come before him and say, Lord, I'm, I'm really struggling. I'm having these thoughts, and I know they're not from you. I'm having these comparisons, and I know that you've instructed me not to do that. Comparing myself against someone else is not wise. That's what the Bible says. So, God, I, I bring these concerns to you. I can't see your inner struggle. But that doesn't mean you're not having one. You may be going through things that you would never tell another soul. You may be having thoughts that you'd never speak out loud. But God sees inside your heart, so you might as well pour that out to Him. The second thing that we see is that marriage is to be protected as one of the strongest unions. If you are married, do whatever it takes to protect that relationship whatever you can, whatever is within your power and the power that God gives you. If you're having issues with anything, if it's pornography, if it's what, whatever it could be, we pray that God would break those chains. If you're watching right now, and that's, it's a real struggle, and, and again, that's one of those things that any type of addiction, you feel so ashamed, but that's a that's a ploy of the enemy to keep it in darkness. So we, we speak life and light, and if you're going through that stuff, Jesus, break those chains of bondage. Jesus, just tear that apart and let that not be an issue anymore. Dig that out. We pray that the Lord would open your eyes to see how destructive it could be. If you're, if you're doing that sort of thing and you're trying to convince yourself that it's not a big deal, then we pray that God would open your eyes to see that it can be extremely destructive. Again, this is, ooh, this is the Lord. So if you're mad, be mad at Him. If you are entertaining a harmless flirtation, I'm sure no one here is, if you're watching online. If you're entertaining a harmless flirtation, stop. It's unacceptable. If you have a, I, I, I despise this phrase. So, if you have a work husband or a work wife, and I know I've heard lots of people say this phrase and they think it's funny, it is destructive because it starts us on a path of feeling like there's someone else who could take the place of our spouse. This idea is you're at work with somebody and they're, you know, they look after you like your husband or your wife would. Well, if you keep on, they might try to. So you need to cut that off. Stop using that phrase. I'm sorry if that, again, if, you're, if that irritates you that I've said that, maybe look inside. Because that's not okay. That's not all right. 
growing dissatisfaction through movies, books, television, etc. Stop that. If that's causing you issues, if you're listening to, to music that you think, oh, well, my husband doesn't love me like that. I'm telling you. I'm tell you're reading books and you're thinking, oh, man, well, he doesn't sweep me away for, for you know, weekends in Bali and buy me new wardrobes and stuff. Not cool, man. Maybe it's time to put that away. Because if, that's comparis- if that comparison is causing dissatisfaction within your heart, then that's a problem. If you're watching stuff, you're watching, you're dancing with the stars, and you're thinking, wow, my wife doesn't dance like that. <laughs> Stop watching it. Again, we're being, you know, a little bit funny, but I'm, I'm serious because there's, there's little things that we see and we think, oh, well, it's not, you know, that's, that's not good enough or that's not good enough. And then we, it plants in our hearts and this dissatisfaction with the person that, that God allowed us to do life with. And then if we could just be connected and unified, Lord, help us. It's time to take those things to the Lord. Those things are not just harmless. These are ways in which we normalize adultery. When we watch movies that, that oh, well, you know, they, it's okay. You know, he, he met her, uh, even though he was married, he met that woman, and, and that was his true soulmate. And we normalize it, and we're like, oh, yeah, that's fine. You know, they, it broke up a marriage, but it's okay because that was the person he was really supposed to be with. A- and again, we see, we see these things and we're like, oh, sh- you're being silly and it's no big deal. But favor isn't fair. So sometimes we have to cut things off that other people are fine with doing and seeing. Favor, the favor of the Lord is not fair. So if you want the favor of the Lord on your life, maybe give up some of this junk. I don't know. Just saying. So when we compare, and, and be careful who you're talking to. I have, some, I have some people at work, and this one particular person says, you know, once the kids are out, we're getting divorced. And it's like normal. She says this. You know, once the kids are out of the house, we're getting divorced because we have nothing in common anymore. And that hurts me. It hurts my heart because I think, how? You know, look what look what the enemy's doing. Look how he's winning in this circumstance. And I don't know the struggle that goes on in her house, but I pray for her regularly because it's like, change their hearts both of them change their hearts and reconnect them because if there's that much dissatisfaction and unhappiness it's only the Lord that can help that we begin to compare one person to another real or fiction and somehow they don't measure up how about we speak the good things? 
Yes, Shane does leave his clothes hanging on the... If y'all didn't know, I was talking about him. It's true. He leaves his clothes hanging on the towel rack. It's very aggravating because, again, the towel rack is going to fall eventually. And possibly he'll forget to put it back up. I'm just like, oh, well, I have nowhere to put my clothes now. <laughs> I I'm sorry. Do you want the microphone and you can talk about my irritating issues if you'd like to? But he cooks. I'll come home and, and he has gone to the grocery store and he's prepping food. I, I tell the girls at work, if he didn't cook, we possibly would not eat. I can cook, but he loves it, I guess. He loves it. He does it. But day after day, he comes home from work and he's tired and he's worn out, but he cooks dinner. And I'll say, oh, I will be, you know, sitting on the couch studying. And, babe, you need anything? You good? He's like, no, nah, I'm good. Thanks. Got this, baby. I, yeah. Every time. That's right. And if he asks for help, I'll help him. But, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Things like that. See, because I could dwell on the irritating stuff. But if I'm praising, that's with anything, if I'm praising instead of finding fault, then I'm a little more satisfied. He, he makes the bed every morning unless he leaves before I do. Yeah, every morning, bed made. Thank you. Amen. That's, that's good stuff, too. Again, if, I'm, if I can dwell on those things. If I can speak about those things, then it's a little easier to not dwell on those negatives, those irritating things. It's like, ah, I can look past that. If, if the thing falls, it falls. You know, it's his bathroom, whatever. <laughs> it's his clothes on the floor. I don't know, whatever. If you are not married, I encourage you to pray. For every couple that you know, cover the attack. Um, because the enemy is attacking. And, and so we have to stand in the gap for those who don't know how to pray for themselves. And again, I, I have plenty of friends of mine who are not satisfied within their marriage. There, there are... There are more who, and they may be really excited about their spouse when they get home, but there are more who speak negatively than speak positively that I'm around personally. So if you are in that same situation, stand in the gap. Stand in the gap for those who are, who are really struggling. Each marriage that you know, if your kids are married, your grandkids are married, um, your, your siblings' marriages, pray for those, that there'll be unity. And then for those who, well, those, all of us, don't abandon your faith. Stay faithful to the Lord. When we choose to take the name of Yahweh, we enter into a lifelong commitment with Him. And He is always faithful. Even when we're not, He remains faithful. He asks that we be faithful as well. Not only on the outside where everyone else can see, but within our heart and mind that we keep the faith that we don't start looking around for something different and, and better. And maybe I, maybe I shouldn't 
stick with the Lord. He, he's taking his good sweet time answering my prayer. So maybe I should go off on my own. Stay faithful to him. Marriage, even to Yahweh, even being married to Yahweh is work. Marriage is work. It's true. But the power that comes with unity, the power that comes with unity between spouses, and the power that comes with unity with God when we are one with Him, that is earth-shaking. That is miraculous. That's, that's wonder-working power that can be accomplished when we are unified, when we pray for the same things, when we're standing up against the same things when we know that that we are praying and supporting each other, encouraging one another in the Lord. Therefore, we must guard our hearts. We must protect the union of marriage, and we must stay committed to our faith. As the music plays, I'm going to ask, if you can, if you will, to stand, because I would like for us to reach heaven today for for our own marriages if you are married or for marriages that you know so again if if you can if you will to stand and and touch heaven because this is a this is an attack this is an attack this is a ploy of the enemy that he will do his best to tear this apart but in Jesus name in Jesus' name, we say no more. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you for your word. Father, I thank you that your word is true no matter what. God, if we believe it or not, it's true. We thank you. We praise you that you created us to be in relationship, number one, with you, that we were created to be in line with you, to be unified with you, to hear from you, for you to live inside our hearts. We thank you that you have done that for us. And God, we also thank you for the gift that we have of the unity of marriage. God, we thank you, we praise you for those who have who have found that unity with a spouse. We thank you for that relationship because that is a beautiful thing that you have created. You said in your word, let no one tear apart what God has put together. So Father, today for each and every marriage that is represented, for each and every person who is here today, who is married, I ask your help. I ask that you would bring about a change in their hearts. God, if there's anything within them that is causing resentment, if there's anything within them that is causing comparisons, I pray that you would dig out. God, if there's anything in them that is causing bitterness or issues, God, dig those things out and create unity among the present. Create unity. Because God, if we could only understand what can be done if we get together. God, if we could only understand what can be done when we pray together, when we seek you together, when we seek you with our whole hearts, unified for our children, unified for our nation, unified for our ministry. 
I pray that you would reveal to us the greatness that occurs when we get together. God, I pray that there would be earth-shaking, miracle-making, wonder-working prayers that go out from us from now on. God, I pray for each and every person who may not be married. I just ask your strength and your encouragement and your help that you would strengthen that relationship that they have with you. God, that you would be number one in their lives. God, that you would be it. That they would find satisfaction in you. That they would understand that you are the only one who can be everything to them. Father, I pray for all the marriages that may be represented outside the church. God, for for my siblings, for my in-laws, God, for nieces and nephews, for friends who are struggling, that the enemy is trying to attack them, that the enemy is trying to tear them apart. In Jesus' name, we say no more. In Jesus' name, we pray that you would open their eyes to see the glory of what you've given them. Because he who finds a wife finds a good thing. God, we just ask that you would give a renewed excitement about marriage. God, I pray that each and every one of us would remain faithful to you. If we haven't been in the past, we ask Jesus, forgive us. Forgive us for the times we've strayed. Forgive us for the times that we've seen things that we shouldn't have. God, forgive us for those times that we've we've looked at other people and compared our relationship with theirs. God, forgive us for those times that we didn't see what you had put right in front of us. Forgive us. Change our hearts, God. Deliver us today. Help us. Because we understand that you're coming soon and we want to remain faithful to this relationship, God. We want to remain faithful to you, that we would never stray, that we would walk beside you, that we would be directed day by day. I pray for each person here that they would daily be reminded to stand in the gap for those whose marriages are struggling. We ask deliverance. We ask deliverance for those who are dealing with things that they would never speak out loud. Go in, God. Dig out. According to your power, according to your name, we ask deliverance in Jesus' name. We praise you, God. We thank you. And today, over your people, we say, may Yahweh bless you and keep you Make his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you, and may he give you his peace. In 